Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, and welcome back to the expert slot. This is not the usual episode that comes out every Tuesday, but one of the bonus episodes in which I talk to an expert. So today I'm joined by nutritional therapist Eve Kalinick, who is the author of Be Good to Your Gut. I asked Eve on the show not to give nutritional advice per se, but to offer some practical tips on how best to better our relationship with the things we eat and how to feel more centered and comfortable around food. None of her tips cost anything, nor do they involve lengthy rituals that might be unsustainable, which is one of the reasons I like Eve's approach to nutrition so much. She's never judgmental or condescending, but rather sensible and compassionate. Two of the qualities I think are crucial when dealing with something as emotionally complex as what we put in our mouths. Here's Eve. So can you explain a little bit about nutritional therapy and what it is that you do? Yes. So nutritional therapy is essentially using food and um, lifestyle, including potentially some supplementation to essentially bring the body into homeostasis, which essentially means balance. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are different ways that nutritional therapists can work. In my practice, I do tend to use um, functional testing. Mm-hmm. Um, so functional medicine being using things like stool analysis and blood mm-hmm. and saliva um, to, to analyse certain nutrients mm-hmm. or pinpoint any deficiencies or imbalances in the body it's extraordinary how much i've experienced how much what you eat affects how you feel and how your body works and it's Mm. something that i think until you've made a shift in your diet or done something about it it kind of feels like yeah it's food is food i mean there was this whole thing 20 years ago where a calorie is a calorie is a calorie like Mm. that's the end of and now i think we're realizing that it's that's not the case at all yeah i do think that i also think that there's um, the way in which the relationship we have with the food that I think has a, a greater role to play than sometimes we give it credit for mm. um, and that sometimes we're fixing in on the sort of the data as it were the calories or the nutrients nutrient value or whatever it is but mm. actually a lot of it's to do with the way that we're engaging with our food and I think for myriad reasons that's been skewed over the last say um, 40 years in some regards yeah before um, we started recording we were talking a bit about um superfoods or you know like perceived mm. superfoods and how people will just go yeah you know like I can do whatever as long as I have let's say some spirulina at the end of the day and how that just doesn't work it has to be mm. you know a kind of sustainable approach yeah I think yeah. people just I guess it's that whole silver bullet that we mentioned um you know people want to latch on to one sort of superfood when actually it just or make something miraculous you know like there's a um a friend of mine she's got a quote it's called it's called may the thoughts be with you it's a beautiful book about um positive affirmations and there's a one cartoon in there that's got a lady standing there with an apple and it's saying um you know i'm going to make an apple crumble out of this actually i'm going to make a tart tatan and then the other one says why don't you just eat the apple yeah yeah. and i think sometimes we can get to the tart tatan whether in nutrition before just actually getting some of the basics yeah 
you know, and we don't necessarily need to sort of latch on to fads or quick fixes. And yeah, they're very, very rarely sustainable. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the relationship with food mm-hmm. and how that can be adjusted for the better without spending any money on anything yeah. and not putting loads of, you know, not loads of time money, but more kind of conscious decisions that would help help your gut out and help your mind gut connection mm-hmm. and you were saying that there's a massive connection between the brain and the gut can mm-hmm. you explain a bit about that yeah so um what was always thought of as a kind of I guess a top-down communication like we would feel anxious and then we'd feel that stereotypical um butterflies in the stomach or you know yeah. that nervous feeling yes yeah, so people would say you've got IBS because you're nervous yeah sort of kind of, of that kind of connection yeah yeah, yeah. um but even if you don't have IBS, you know, those mm. when you're due to give a big presentation or, I don't mm. know, you're going to an exam, you know, you get that f- feeling, the butterflies, that whole nervous, sticky feeling in your stomach. So it was, all, it was always thought that that was like, you know, um, a top down. But then when you think about phrases like just that we use, like gut feeling, gut instinct, gut intuition, I mean, they're not there for, for you know, no reason. But again, like we always thought that that wasn't there was nothing there was no relationship from the gut necessary to the brain um as the research is coming out now the the reality is that that's much more bi-directional relationship so um and related to the microbiome specifically so Mm -hmm. in our well we've got a microbiome different microbiomes all over our body Mm -hmm. but the biggest one is in our gut and that yeah. refers to all of the microbes that reside in the gut mm-hmm. um and so they and what are microbes for anyone so bacteria um fungus viruses anything like that yeah. um is the microbiome essentially right. collectively in the gut it's mostly bacteria okay. um and they all have sort of i guess different roles to play um we do understand from actually relatively small amounts of research is that actually not that much known about the microbiome which is kind of shocking really Mm. when um at one point they thought that microbes outnumbered our human cells 10 to 1 um they now think it's more of a one-to-one relationship the microbiome now is being considered an organ in in its own right because of all the processes that it manages and one of these crucially is things like serotonin production Mm -hmm. so um, serotonin, um, I think a lot of people have heard of, but if they haven't, it's essentially our happy neurotransmitter. So um, with things like anxiety and um, low mood or more seriously depression, mm-hmm. um, you know, you might be given medications to help increase serotonin in the body. Now, what was considered, again, something that was more cognitive in its nature or entirely cognitive in its nature, as in brain-dependent, um, we know that actually 95% of your serotonin production is in your gut. And it's your microbes that essentially switch on mm-hmm. these serotonin receptor sites in the gut. Mm-hmm. When you think about that amount of serotonin that's produced in the gut, we have to think about the connections then with how that has a role to play with yeah. our mood. The other part of that is that um, you know our gut bacteria also help to manage inflammation in the body. So they yeah. produce certain substances, one of which is called, they're called short-chain fatty acids, mm-hmm. and one of which is called butyrate, and that's the sort of major one in terms of managing inflammation. Mm-hmm. And when we look at studies and cases related to depression by the way also depression and, and ibs are often um codependent not they also yes, coexist they work, yeah. sorry, in, in in a lot of individuals um and it's a bit like chicken and egg did the ibs create the depression or the mm. depression create the ibs we mm. don't really know mm. um 
but we do know that those people that suffer with depression may also have lower levels of butyrate and have gut symptoms. So then it's the question now, is, de- is depression, is it necessarily a cognitive disorder or is it, and or actually, yeah, is yeah. it a disease of inflammation? And so that has you have to sort of look at the gut health. So yeah. there's a few ways in which gut bacteria influence the way that our mind works and even more kind of I guess radical stuff now is thinking about um you know how whether or not microbes can directly communicate to the brain via the vagus nerve so there's a lot of research coming out in this like every single day um but it's fast I think it's fascinating completely because what we thought was all in the mind may not be yeah and that our gut bacteria have a role to play in that Okay, so let's go into your tips then. Right. So tip one. So tip one. So often I start with things like that are not actually even down to the food, like to what we're eating, but just how we're eating it. So um, sitting, as you sort of, again, I think probably through your experience of changing your diet, Mm -hmm. is, you know, sitting and taking time over our meals. Because that's a lot of the things that we do. We're eating it on the hop. Um, either you know, shuffle, barely looked at it over mm. our computer screens at lunchtime, and then wondering why a we're hungry five minutes later and we're reaching for sugary snacks, mm. or we just feel really bloated and uncomfortable. Um, so it can just be even alleviating those sort of symptoms, and also better engaging yourself with your food. Because mm-hmm. again, like all of this stuff, we've got to really think about how we engage, like our relationship with our food, more than just the food itself. So sitting, chewing properly, um, taking a bit of time over your meals. It don't, mm. You don't have to be there for hours, but yeah. just... And switching off the devices, you know, like the emails and the, you know... Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, clients can be having... I hear them doing this, that they will have be writing an email, checking the phone, yeah. TVs on at the same time. I think what we've got to really analyse, if somebody can't sit and eat a meal without distraction for 15 minutes, they've got a bigger problem, as in they're, they're addicted to distraction. Yes, yeah. Right? So yeah. rather than that being the problem and trying to, to deal with that, because actually just to sit and enjoy your meal, um, you know, maybe you might just have, an, I don't know, a nice picture in your flat or whatever mm. or house that you want to look at. Or, if you know, obviously better still, if you're mm. with... with company yeah that you're chatting and engaging yeah that you, you know you don't need you don't necessarily there shouldn't that the boredom factor shouldn't be there and okay. actually <laughs> I think we need to understand that we need to do nothing sometimes yeah like nothing just like sit down hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's your second tip then? So second tip is some is the way that so often again, um, being in a, bu- a busy city, I guess, or not even actually, you don't need to be in London for this. Mm. Everybody's busy. Mm. Um, I hate that word. Um, anyway, <laughs> is the whole thing of like you don't necessarily have time to make you know a me- like any sort of a meal, yeah. or you might just have the inclination that you can't be bothered. Yeah. Right, so where I'd say is then if that's the case, if you're getting something, either you're picking something up or you're at home and you know, beans on toast is I love beans on toast Mm -hmm. as a go to or eggs on toast, just put it on a nice plate, yeah, because the visual of doing that is going to help you again. It's about bettering that relationship with our food, Mm -hmm. um, and that in itself helps to alleviate anxiety, yeah. And what happens physically is that you're you know, when you're in that sort of rest and digest, you put the body into the parasympathetic mode that you're going to obviously or potentially take a bit more time over your meal, but you're going to then um, give your body more of it or your gut more of a chance to help, you know, better absorb the nutrients, breaking down the food just by the act of slowing down. You can never be in the same state stages at the same time. So all, right. while all the time you're running and you're in that, you're compromising your gut health ah okay so and it's true that they're they're the two so your Mm -hmm. gut can do one or the other yeah it's either like all systems go your nervous system is either in parasympathetic yeah that then has a knock-on effect you've got you've got an entire enteric nervous system that Mm -hmm. surrounds your gut that's why they call it the second brain right because it's the only organ that can function independently of the brain but does that trigger better digestion or well it's again it's helping the body to better absorb because if you're in the fight and flight Mm. then you're in survival mode your body's not thinking okay i need to up gastric secretions i need to because it's one it needs to survive right right? so it's kicking in things like cortisol and all of those adrenaline type hormones so your body's basically taking what it needs in that moment but not thinking about oh let's restore this lovely (laughs) yeah it's just compromising the way that your gut is functioning generally and the nervous system when you're in that fight and flight okay number three so number three is not stressing over your food which i know sounds a bit of a bigger statement and mm. I appreciate it's not always easy for people but not being so I mean you can get yourself in such a tiz with food that you'd end up eating nothing mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I know when I started studying nutrition that I mean I'd sit in lectures and think well, you actually can't eat or drink anything because yeah. potentially everything's got an issue in inverted commas so I think the less you can stress around your food the more likely you are to make just generally healthier decisions with a few maybe ones that may not be deemed healthy in inverted commas so being as inclusive in the diet as possible Mm -hmm. try not to just you know read an article two articles and start cutting out massive food groups Mm. and you know try to be a bit you know critical in what you're reading and apply it to yourself because 
I have to say, I do see a lot of people or talk to a lot of people that for whatever reason, and they can't even tell me really why, that they cut out gluten, dairy, grains, soy. The anxiety then, particularly with, you know, people going out for food with their friends and they're sitting there just really anxious Mm. and... Um, and so what, 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 what if I go out with my friend? I mean, it, beca- you become, it actually becomes almost um, socially debilitating. And then you've got to think about how, does that, how is that going to affect your mental well-being? And you, if your mental well-being is compromised, mm. like you're, you're consciously an- consistently sort of in this anxious state, mm. then as we just discussed now, that's going to negatively affect your gut. I know health as well so then yeah. people are blaming the foods when actually it's the stress around the foods that yeah. may actually be more of an issue than the food itself yeah i know someone who um looks who oh god i'm mad about food and literally cut out all fat in the 90s because fat supposedly mm. made you fat switched to sugar now has done the same with sugar but now will google menus and look at like things as if she were a nutritionist but like a pseudo nutritionist and struggles to go anywhere and if all the joy has left it was, isn't it? yeah and it just feels like you know and sometimes again like as a beauty and wellness journalist sometimes mm. i'll go out and i'll be eating and people will be like oh you're eating brownies and things like that and i'm like oh yeah like of course like because yeah. you have to leave but you're not eating like, them every day no not every day and it's i mean not this is the thing you your know, home yeah yeah it's, yeah it's a bit like it's i think this is where we go from this pendulum existence and that's mm. why it's not sustainable no like it's this almost like purge and splurge yeah like you'll go on some really extreme diet and then eventually yeah you know you'll go oh my body's craving cake or sugar it's like no you're body is not craving that your yeah. mind is because you've now restricted yourself for such a long time yeah. that you want to indulge or give yourself a reward in a way and the most i mean even it's one of the most i guess instinctive human being things is food is you know yeah. comfort right yeah. yeah so it's just not about being extreme with it i'm not mm. saying like go and eat and it's, for some people it's legitimate they've got allergies and stuff so when yeah, i'm yeah. talking about this i'm talking about but that's actually quite a small percentage, yeah. relatively. Yeah. The people that are going on about it, they've got these allergies or whatever mm. else that are self-diagnosed, yeah. um, a lot of the time, isn't necessarily the case. Yeah. What's your fourth tip? Fourth tip is managing your stress, mm-hmm. um, which means switching your phones off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of, having there's a theme digital, here. Having a digital curfew. Okay. Actually, that's the one thing I think has been good on the, 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 I don't know, I don't know what I do. I'm useless with technology anyway, but <laughs> there's this thing that's come up an app or something or an alert that tells you yes. what, how much less screen time you've been doing. So I think that's actually a positive thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. The verif- We try to get verification through social media and devices and it's not healthy really. Um, and you know, I think if we could see all the Wi-Fi, we'd be sort of like battling our way through it. In a I way, I always think of it as you know that film Entrapment where Catherine Zeta-Jones has to go through. No, it's true. I think definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So I don't know. So yeah, I mean, it sounds sometimes it sounds a bit. Well, it's not really woo-woo to be honest with you, but because yeah. meditation and meditative practices have been 
around for centuries, um, mm. but more so now than ever do we need to at least have some level of those in our day-to-day routine. And for people, that's going to be very different. I, I know, for one, I'm not somebody... I've tried it. Mm. I can't... Like, I just can't sit and meditate. Right. The, the notion of going on something like a Vipassana where you go and don't speak for, like, a week or something, and you just... I mean, I just can't... I can't I, think of a hell That would actually cute. send me a bit... Yeah, like, me too. I'd be mad. Yeah. But, um, but you, the, the whole thing about having something in your day-to-day routine, and it starts with... It can start with mealtimes. Yeah. You can use those as pockets of recovery. So if you're approaching your mealtimes as your meditative practice, maybe you wouldn't be quite so bored, um, in a way. And stressed as well. And Good. stressed, yeah, yeah because... It's a cumulative thing, stress. You yeah, know, obviously, yeah. unless you're going, the events happen and stuff. But generally speaking, what we deal with, what I see and I'm talking about now in yeah. terms of, uh, is chronic stress. Right. Right? Because the body's designed for acute periods of stress. It's yeah. actually healthy, but not the chronic stress that we go through every day. Yeah. So doing things that are going to help to manage. So it could be breathing, mm-hmm. it could be yoga the right mm-hmm. types of yoga because mm-hmm. again you know when you're doing going to fancy classes and everybody's looking at each other on the mat and then yeah. you're doing this and that's not de-stressing but also there's there are different the, the kinds of yoga because some people mm. i mean i i know again this is my anecdotal experience but i um used to i love yoga i love hatha yoga but i used to sometimes go to quite intense classes like ashtanga which don't agree with me at all and they mm. don't give me any of the, the for some people they're fantastic but for me, they don't give me any of the positive effects of yoga because I'm so stressed during the classes mm. for so long that afterwards I feel exhausted, I feel a bit weird. So, Well, yoga is not know. an aerobic practice. No. I mean, I've pra- I, I genuinely think it has, at points in my life, really pulled me out of some pretty dark moments. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a breathing practice. Yeah. You know, um, I, my teacher's hilarious actually I've been going to her for about 15 years but she's just like this is not an exercise class there's a lot of huffing and puffing going on and actually yeah. it's not it's about focusing it's not about getting yourself in pretzel positions yeah I mean you may never get to that final pose it's the journey I mean that's what Buddha said anyway yeah. it's not about getting to the top of the mountain it's about the journey but a lot of us are so focused on that yeah end point that we forget all of this stuff but I think yoga is it's all about that being present and um you know using breath to help because again what happens on a physical level is it's um soothing the vagus nerve Mm. right and the vagus nerve is the wandering nerve that goes from the brain to the gut yeah so again we're talking about when it comes to gut health why breathing properly yeah. helps your gut health as well it's fascinating so it? yeah. you know even from a physical level but those sort of things i think regularly um and again it doesn't need to be yoga it could be wa- walking mm. is really meditative mm. you know yeah washing up there's a, a buddhist monk called tick nat han he's got this how to eat it's a wonderful little book yeah with little daily tiny sort of little meditation mantras and he says washing up can be meditative meditative if you want it to be yeah so you don't need to be indulging in all this you just got to find something that helps your mind wander where you're not busy in your head what's your final tip so my final tip is avoiding unnecessary medications and i know that sounds a bit of a bold statement and i'm certainly not a woo-woo therapist here and great minds work very hard for medications but it's the stuff like 
popping Nurofen when you could have, because you've got a bit of a headache and you could have drunk a bit more water, necking back Gaviscon when you could have just chewed your food a bit more, um, antibiotics that are unnecessary, demanding them from your GP when you've got a cold and that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that are going to negatively impact your microbiome and have then a knock-on negative effect to your gut health generally. And then, you know, again, looking further beyond that and what the gut influence is, you know, it could potentially be then your immune system or Mm. it could be um, inflammation that can present itself with skin symptoms or autoimmune-type symptoms or mood. But I'm all about trying to avoid those types of medications and try and get to root causes where you can but that that's the naturopathic yeah. philosophy anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. it's treat the individual and yeah. treat the cause and, and not the disease yeah um so i mean that's fundamentally what i believe yeah. in anyway fascinating thank you very much pleasure to talk to you If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.